so in this season of receiving, don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I'm a pastor. I know I, I did this in November, and it, it saved my life, maybe saved my church, because when you're a pastor, you go through a lot of things that a lot of people don't know. I mean, this morning at 738, I was woke. I was already awoke, but a text message. One of the major ministers in our church, I don't feel called anymore. I'm done. 730 on a Sunday morning, but you got to get up and preach and what nobody know you went through that battle and you just have no idea. And text message is the worst invention in the world because now people don't even bother calling you. They don't even bother being man to man or woman to woman and speaking to you. They'll just send you a text at an inappropriate time when you know you might not be there to answer it and say it's God. No, if it's God, you'll be so excited. You'll find somebody and talk to them about it. But if you know it's not God, you'll slip it in on the down low. Can somebody say amen? And so I just want to encourage you, pray for Bishop Brian and Renee, that God revitalizes them, renews them, restores them, and y'all are going to just have the best year ever at One Life. Amen? All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning. Hallelujah. Give the worship team a hand. They were just phenomenal. That's... I've been coming here for years, and I'm going to tell you that, uh, that that's some of the best that, that I've heard in all the years. Amen. God is good. You're blessed when you have a stage this big, and it's full of musicians and singers. That, that, that's a good God thing. Amen. All right. Get your Bible out, your iPhone out, your iPad, your Nook, whatever you got the Word of God on. Maybe you got it on the big screen, and that's all right, too. But if you have some form of the Word of God, just hold it up right now and make this confession with me. Everybody say, this is my Bible. This is the living word of God. This is his will, but my inheritance. I am what it says I am. Today I'll receive the word. Come on, today I'll receive the word. By faith, with joy, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, open your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 11. And uh, I've given the media team my scriptures. I'm going to add two into there uh, as you're going to John chapter 11. But uh, as as Bishop called, and uh, it seems like January, I'm going to be out preaching more Indiana, Florida, and West Virginia. It's almost like I'm at a sabbatical for my pulpit as well. But every now and then you need to get out and see what God's doing. And it really refreshes you for what God's doing in your own church and gives you some fresh idea and fresh revelation. And for me, it gives me as a time as a pastor to also receive from God and see what God's doing in the body of Christ, not just in my church, but all throughout the world. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I I just want to encourage you. uh, It was about nine days ago the Lord gave me this message, and I thought it was strange. It's called Life in the Tomb, and uh, I think they got a a logo for it, and we have scripture for it. But I thought, Lord, that that seems like a very depressed message, or life in the grave. It seemed like a very depressed message to talk about uh, being tombed up, being being, uh, put into the grave. But, you know, even in the grave, God comes in and he'll bring life in every situation. Can somebody say amen? So you might think about, I'm going to be talking about the grave, but we're going to end up talking about life. Come on, somebody shout, greater is he. 
And so I've got three illustrations of tombs in the Bible or graves in the Bible and what God did to them and what God did through them and what God did with them. John chapter 11 uh, will begin in a moment in verse 38, but I will also read verse 14 and 15. Then Jesus said to the disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. Everybody shout, he's dead. And I'm glad that he died for your sakes, that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go. Then the great man of faith, Thomas, said uh, to his twin, the fellow disciple, let us also go and let us die with him. Isn't it nice to have friends around you that are just so positive? There he was, and Jesus was saying, let us go to Lazarus too. And Thomas cries out to everybody, said he called out, meaning others could hear it, let us go, and it's a capital H. He thought Jesus was about to go into enemy territory, and he thought Jesus was going to die because Lazarus had died. And he said, well, I reckon let us go die with him, not go live for him, not go fight with him, not go believe with him. But Thomas was so full of faith, he said, let us go and die. Isn't it nice to have friends that that are just so positive around you? Come on, somebody. And so Jesus made it clear that Lazarus is dead. So let's go over to verse 38, as Paul Harvey would say, and let's hear the rest of the story. Then Jesus again, three verses earlier, he had groaned and wept in himself. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, he came to the tomb and it was a cave and there was a stone laid against it. So Jesus came up to the grave and modern lingo, he rolled his eyes. He groaned in himself. How is it is what I believe. How is it that you could not have enough faith to keep a sick man alive? How is it that you had to call on me to come and raise him when the same power lives on the inside of you? And he said he came to the grave, which was a cave. And there's a lot of people that are living their life in a cave. They're in the dark. They're secure. They feel like everything's coming down on them. They, they, they feel like the world is against them. God is against them. Their family is against them. And they're all shut in. They're all locked up. And in fact, the enemy has rolled a stone in front of that grave. And there we sit in the grave. In the grave, yet we have the power of life. In the grave, yet we have the power of the resurrection. In the grave, yet we have the greater one living inside of us. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of the grave today. And I'm prophesying in this message for its entirety to One Life Church that the tomb season is over, the grave season is over, and the resurrection season is beginning. The life season is upon you. In Jesus' name, we declare it. And if you receive it, shout amen. And Jesus said to those around, take away the stone. You have to do something. 
Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by here's another faith-filled believer. Lord, by this time, he stinks. Come on, somebody. The power of God is there. The power of God is here. The power of life is here. The power of the resurrection is here. And there's always a Thomas and there's always a Martha that are going to focus in on the stink. They're going to focus in on the dirt. They're going to focus in on the death. But when Jesus come in, he's not worried about the stink. He's not worried about the stone. He's coming in as the resurrection and the life. Can somebody shout amen? There'll always be people in church that'll point their finger. That ministry stinks. This ministry stinketh. That one's dead. They're always like Martha and Thomas. I reckon I'll just stay here and die. Well, no, bring life to it. Cast out the death out of it. Get the stink out of it. The power is in you. Glory be to God. But there's always people that'll point out the stink. But you know what? Jesus ignored the stink and still brought life. Can somebody say amen? Some of you just got to learn to ignore the stink. Touch your neighbor and say ignore the stink. Glory be to God. Jesus said to her, did not I say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, this is a strong statement by Jesus. You can tell by its wording. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that that they may believe that you have sent me. Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, he spoke the name Lazarus because if not, in those days, caves were filled with dead people. Every corpse would have got out of that cave. So he called Lazarus by name and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out, but now Lazarus was alive, but he was still bound. And here's the next group of people. You're alive for God, and God has resurrected you, and God has lifted you up, but you still got on your grave clothes. You still got on your mummy clothes. You're alive, but you still represent death. Do you know people like this in your life or maybe people like this in the church? They're alive, but every time you get around them, they represent failure. They represent the stink. They represent this is wrong and that's wrong. And Jesus looked at the disciples and he said, you loose him and you let him go. So when you see somebody that's alive, but they're representing the dead, it's not up to you and pray for God. God set them free. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you set him free. Yeah, and they unwrapped the death clothes and Lazarus was back. There are some people in your life that they're alive, but they represent death and you're praying for them and praying for them and praying for them. And God would say to you, the power is in you. The ability is in you. Begin to loose them and let them go. Take the spirit of death off of them and let them live. Can you say amen? Touch your neighbor, say, I'm coming out of the grave. 
Go with me, if you will, to Mark chapter number 5. And let's look at another situation that death came in. Mark chapter number 5. And let's look. Is this all right this morning? All right, Mark the 5th chapter. And we know about this. We'll begin reading in verse number 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat... To the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now this is powerful because Jairus represented the spirit of religion. He represented the spirit that did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He represented the spirit that is still prevalent today that would believe in a God but deny the power of the God. And here Jairus was. It's amazing when when catastrophe strikes how quick you'll leave religion and look for a miracle. Can somebody say amen? And here he is, and it said Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, representing the spirit of religion, bowed his knee to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. If we will humble ourselves in the face of God, he will lift us up. Can somebody say amen? And so Jairus knelt down, not even believing or really understanding, but that spirit of religion in him knelt down to the greater power that was standing over him. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, when he saw him, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, my daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and I know she will live. Then we know about the woman of issue of blood that, trans, uh, that, that took place between verse 23 and verse 34. We get to verse 35 and let's look what it says. While he was still speaking after the woman with the issue of blood had been healed, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter has died. Now Jesus knew Lazarus was sick, and he ignored it and let him die. Oh, pastor didn't come visit me. Jesus let Lazarus lay there four days because it's Jewish custom that the soul, the spirit, doesn't leave the body till after the third day. And so if Jesus had resurrected him on day one, two, or three, the Jews would have said he wasn't fully dead yet. So Jesus came in on the fourth day and showed them that he is really resurrected. Can somebody say amen? He knew the little girl was dying, yet he took time to heal others on the way. And on the way, the little girl died. So don't trouble the teacher any longer longer she died death means absolutely nothing to life understand we see death we see destruction but death means nothing to life because in God you don't actually ever die your body dies but you live forever the only thing that dies about you is your flesh because you you live forever in the presence of the Lord to be absent from the body it doesn't say to be dead from it to be absent from the body to let the body go is to be present with the Lord so you got to understand that life does not comprehend death Life does not bow to death. Life does not give itself down to death. Life is life. Come on, somebody say amen. Mm. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? 
Jesus said, do not be afraid. Only believe. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and he saw the crazy behavior of those who wept and those who wailed loudly with a loud voice. And when he came in, he said to them, why are you making all this noise and why are you weeping? This child is not dead. This child is just asleep. So when Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb, that was a cave. It was a grave and they had sealed it and he was shut in and it was dark and isolated. When he comes to this grave, it's filled with a bunch of doubt, a bunch of anxiety, a bunch of worry, a bunch of wailing, a bunch of oh me and oh my and oh no and Jesus come in and said wait a minute why are you making so much fuss she is not dead now how can he say that because he knew he was life and death can't exist in life glory be to God and he said to them why don't you believe we read just a second ago believe and it will be possible unto you And they, verse 40, she is not dead and they ridiculed him. Do you have the type of faith that people will ridicule you for? Do you have the type of faith when it looks like you're losing everything, you're still declaring I'm gaining everything, when it looks like you're depressed and it looks like you're full of worry, but yet somehow you get yourself up, you begin to magnify the Lord. Do you have the kind of faith that people will point their finger and not just want to emulate, but they'll point their finger and they'll mock you and they'll ridicule you and they'll backstab you and they'll talk behind your back. You'll begin to speak things in the season of death that we're going to double this church this year we're going to add another sir and people are like pastor are you crazy it looked like we're losing folk it looked like folk are giving up on us and you're talking about we're going to add a servant you've got to have a spirit of faith you've got to believe you've got to have faith that'll make people ridicule and mock you it said they mocked Jesus because he says she wasn't dead I want to have the kind of faith that people mock me. I want to be so positive and so full of faith that people will talk behind my back, that people will take to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and mock me and laugh at me because I know I'll have the last laugh. I know I'll live and they will die. I know God will resurrect it. I know God will perform it. He is the author and the finisher. He is the first and the last. And he who began a good work will finish it. Glory be to God. Get somebody happy in here this morning. Amen. And they ridiculed him. He's there to help. And they're there to mock. Have you ever showed up to help somebody and all they wanted to do was down talk you? Have you ever given your life to bless folk and all they want to do is stab you in the back? Have you ever come in to be there to help somebody and all they wanted to do was turn and run where Jesus came to resurrect the dead and they laugh at him so he threw them all out. The last tomb was sealed and full of death. This tomb was full of doubt and unbelief and hypocrisy. So Jesus said, get them all out. 
instead of telling ushers to get those underdressed out, instead of telling ushers to, if somebody don't look right, watch them, Usher, if you hear somebody talking negative about the church, if you hear somebody mocking the church, grab them by the nap of the neck, put them in their car, put it in drive, and get them out. Oh, won't it do it? Somebody looked at me sideways there. Amen. And Jesus threw them all out of the room. He emptied the area of the grave. He had put them all out. He took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. So there is James, there is John, and there is Peter. And they would be in the Garden of Gethsemane at the deepest level. There was Jesus, and there was the mother, and there was the father. There were six people in the room. Come on, six represents the number of man. But then when the girl rose, she was number seven, representing the number of God. Glory be to God. Come on, somebody, get excited about this. He took the father and mother, and he sat by the child by the hand and said, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and she walked and she was 12. There are 12 tribes of Israel. 12, I'm not going to get into the number 12. And she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. So here in the first grave scene, there was a little bit of resentment, anger. Why didn't you come? There was closed in, cave mentality, dark, abandoned, mummified. In this tomb and grave mentality, there was ridicule and mockery. There was doubt and unbelief. And life came in and eradicated it Oh, I believe that this sermon is prophesying into this house that everything that the enemy has tried to do, every negative word, every mocking word, every ridiculing word, every death sentence, every backstabbing, everything that the enemy tried to do, I'm telling you, Jesus is throwing it out and he is going to bring life in Jesus' name. If you agree, shout amen. Now go, yeah, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, don't patty cake Jesus. Give it up for Jesus, amen. Let's go to 2 Kings to the last illustration. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. 2 Kings chapter 13, especially when the pastor's out of town. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Very interesting thing begins to happen in the life of Elisha. Elisha had come sick with an illness of which he would die. Now you need to know before I read on, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that his word is life to our flesh and life and health to our bones. Touch your neighbor and say, I got life in my bones. I ain't got arthritis in my bones. I got life in my bones. Come on. I don't have cancer in my bones. I've got life in my bones. It'll bring life to your flesh and health to your bones. So he said this sickness would kill Elisha. Then Joaz, the king of Israel, came down to him. Come on. Elisha's on his deathbed and the king is coming down. <laughs> come on now. The king might wish he hadn't come. Then Joseph wept over his face and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. Elisha is dying. He knows he has minutes to live. 
And yet the gift of God, the life of God on the inside of him will not give up its reign in his life. The life of a prophet in him will not let go to the spirit of death. And even on his deathbed, Elisha tells the king, in other words, quit mourning over me. Quit wailing over me. Go get a bow and go get some arrows. The Lord is about to talk to Israel. Then he said to the king of Israel, verse 16, put your hand on the bow. So he put it on it and Elisha put his hands on the king's hand and he said, open the east window and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot and the king shot and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance from Syria for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with the king and said, you should have struck it six or five or six times. Then you would have struck and destroyed them. But now you will only strike them three times. This speaks of When you have the enemy on the run, destroy him and destroy him utterly. The king should have been so excited that the prophet was giving him a word from God when he said, strike the arrows and you will destroy your enemy. He should have been so excited that he said, I'm going to win in G. And he should have struck it till there was no strength. But instead, he did it in a religious way and he just did it three times. And Elisha got angry. And he told the king on his deathbed, now you won't actually do what I said you would do because it's not in you. Then Elisha died. Verse 20. And they buried him. Elisha died. He's in the tomb. He's in the grave. Season had gone. Flesh had rotted. Bones remained. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man, they raided the tomb, they were sticking soldiers in there. So it was when they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And the man was let down and when he touched the bones of Elisha, he stood to his feet. Oh, don't make me preach this. You ought to already know what I'm thinking. You might feel like all we got left is bones in the church. You might feel like all the flesh on one life has gone and all the muscle has rotted away. It might look like that the organs are gone. It might look like, God, how are you going to do this? We are dead and you said we were alive and all the strong things, all the things that make the human body beautiful, the face and the hair and and the outline of it, all of that is gone and all that is left is both. And the enemy came in and they got in a hurry and they put a man in the wrong tomb. Come on, sometime the enemy messed with the wrong people and the enemy thinks he's got you killed. He thinks he's got you destroyed. He thinks he's done one life under. But I'm here to tell you that if you got some bones left, there is life in the bones. Glory be to God and it said the soldier was laid on the bones of Elijah and the soldier stood up to his feet and became a man again 
So I'm here to tell you that if all you got left is bones here, it doesn't matter when people walk in, life is going to come into them. Oh, glory be to God. In the tomb of Lazarus, it was a cave and it was dark and life came. In the tomb of the little girl, it was full of doubt and unbelief and mockery and life came. In the tomb of Elisha, it was beyond repair. There was no way that there would be any life in there. His flesh was gone. His body was gone. His image was gone. But the power of God was not gone. It brings life to your flesh and power to your bones. And in his bones was still the power of God. And that man, even an enemy soldier, couldn't handle the touch of God. And life came back to that soldier's body. Imagine the soldiers who had laid him down. He was a dead soldier. I mean, he was probably stabbed multiple times. It wasn't like in his sleep there was war. It was way back in the day. Bled out. Dirty. Maybe stabbed once, maybe stabbed ten. Who knows? And when he put his body in there, there was still life in the dead bones. So don't tell me there isn't still life in one life. Don't tell me there isn't still life in you. Glory be. Well, I've been through hell. Oh, get over it. All of us have. Glory be to God. Well, I've been through a bad situation. Get over it. We've all been through a bad situation. Come on, somebody say amen. But guess what? There's another truth. There's life on the inside of you. There is the power of God on the inside of you. Understand? There's still life in the grave. It might look like the enemy had you sealed. Mm -mm. Mm. No, 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 no. The seal has been broken and the life has been ushered in. Wait until this time next year and I'll be held accountable for this word. Wait until you see all the life that's going to come from all the death. Just wait. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. And in the twinkling of the eye, those that are dead in Christ will be caught up. And that's the rapture scripture. But I'm going to tell you, those that are hurting and those that feel dead emotionally and feel dead spiritually and feel dead like I'm giving up on God, he is going to resurrect you. He is going to raise you up. There is still life on the inside of you. No matter how it looks like the enemy has killed you, there's still life on the inside of you. Would you stand on your feet this morning if you don't mind? Glory be to God. Now just give the Lord a great hand clap of praise if you will. Just say, Lord, I receive your life. Come on, just begin to say, Lord, I receive your life in Jesus' name. Now, I want to ask us to make a declaration. I was honored to be the first speaker to come in on this sabbatical season. I believe in the power of first. When Elisha earlier got to the gate ahead of the king, when the storm came, the king got in the chariot and the horse. And Elisha girded himself up and it said the hand of God came behind the prophet. It mattered who got to the city gates and took credit for the rain. It mattered who got there first. The spirit of acceleration came on the prophet and he outrun two horses and a chariot. The spirit of acceleration the hand of God, the spirit of acceleration. And I'm prophesying the spirit of acceleration come into this house and what would take a month will take a week and what would take a year will take a month and the head will look like everybody else has a head start. They have an advantage, but the hand of God is going to come in like he did the prophet and he's going to get you to the gates first. 
I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Lord, won't you do it? Won't you do it, Lord? Won't you do it? Mm. Father, we forgive all of those in our life that have done us wrong. We forgive those that have done your kingdom wrong. We forgive those who've mocked us. Those who've rolled the stone in front of the grave and said they're done. We forgive them. Because we have to. Because without forgiveness, there's no true resurrection. I want to ask all that will stand in proxy for your church and say, you know what? I believe. I believe there can be life in the grave and there can be even greater life beyond the grave. And I believe God is reaching in and snatching us up and snatching us out. And the season of the cave is over. (laughs) And the season of the resurrection has begun. 2017, the number seven represents biblically the number of completion, the number of creation, and the number of favor. God's going to complete the house. It's going to create some new ministry, and his favor is going to be upon you. I want to ask if you'll say that I believe, I believe that the life of God is going to, re, is going to destroy the spirit of death. I want you to just leave your seat and come and make a couple rows across this altar. And you're standing in faith. You're standing in faith for your church. You're standing in faith for your pastor. Standing in faith for the kingdom of God. And you say, ha, ah, we're not in the grave any longer. It's a new season. It's a brand new day. Fresh anointing is coming my way. Oh, and day, da, 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 da.